0: Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Second Screening Podcast. My name is Nick Lane, and with me, as always, is my good friend Matthew.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm the one who will bring the IQ of this podcast down because I barely know what I'm doing and I almost know how to talk. Hooray! All right. So, how have you been, Matthew? Uh, I've been uh, just fine, busy as always. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but I know it's called Second Screening, and I did neither a first nor a second screening within the recent past. (laughs) You cocksucker!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the idea of the podcast is that we will pick a movie, watch it once, and then mm, two or three weeks later, within the span of a month, um, watch it again, and record both our first impressions and our, our second impressions and then how, you know, how it changed over time. This podcast kind of got started after the latest Star Wars movie, Star Wars 7, A Newer Hope. Um. <laughs> Soft reboot. Yeah, exactly. And uh what happened was that Matthew and I went to see the movie together. I came out elated as can be, as any red-blooded American should. And Matthew came out like a... uh Pink-hearted communists who hated the movie.
1: Yeah, as anybody who listens to this for uh, greater than about thirty seconds will figure out, all I do is flip out about the most mundane things uh, constantly and often.
0: That's what we call good content. I hope so. <laughs> so um, we, you know, we had a discussion about the movie uh, Star Wars after watching it, and then we took some time and had a, another discussion over email. Where we, you know, we noticed that after some time the content of our analysis changed, and I thought that was kind of an interesting conceit and decided to uh, make a podcast about it because we like to argue about stupid bullshit, but in a respectful and sp- generally humorous manner, I hope.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my favorite thing is arguing about things that don't matter and flipping out about stuff. And you're absolutely right. You know, it's interesting when you watch a movie once, you know, you get those first impressions and then you watch them again, which I now realize we're basically voluntarily doing like a seventh grade English assignment. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what adulthood is now, is just doing stuff that you did when you were a kid, except now like you're paying money to do it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's, that gives it importance, you know? That, that's right. So uh, <laughs> uh, suck on that, Miss Healy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, as you point out, The Fountain, uh, you know, for everyone who doesn't know me, which I guess would be everyone because this is the first episode, this is my favorite movie of all time. I have a tattoo of this movie on me. So while I haven't seen it the first and second time, uh, as per the rules, uh, I have seen it about 15,000 times And, you know, I'm just going to throw you under the bus here and say that we're breaking your rules of your podcast on episode Episode one. So that's a good start.
0: Usually you lay down the ground rules and then break them over time. That's called good storytelling. However, we need to uh, rewind just a second because we actually haven't introduced the movie that we are uh, reviewing just yet. As Matthew mentioned, we're watching, or we had watched, The Fountain. The Fountain is a Darren Aronofsky film. Starring Hugh Jackman, Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. That's pretty much did, I've been screwing up people's names all this week. My friend recently uh, started dating this girl, and her name's Alicia, and I know that how it's spelled, but for some reason, I was, when I first was talking about her I was like oh Alicia oh yeah Alicia. oh that
1: would be what if she was Hispanic it could be Alicia yeah
0: exactly yeah, I guess maybe I'm
1: just slowly uh, transitioning to a Spaniard well you know I mean in this movie there is a Spaniard uh, and it's played by hug Jackman, <laughs> who is my favorite actor so you know that's fantastic
0: yeah so we got Rachel Weiss Ellen Burstein Mark Mark Margulis oh. And Stephen McKady.
1: I mean, for the you know, for the most part, of this movie there's pretty much two characters, right? You know, it's, it's Hugh Jack- or two actors, it's Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz. Main Weiss, and you, you, yeah. You, right? Yeah.
0: And a collection of uh, other people. Although someone I found to be quite
1: interesting, Who the guy from he? Remember the Titans. The this guy it. from
0: Mallrats is oh, in Oh yeah yeah, yes, yeah,
1: yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. He's the one who has to, uh, go get the, uh, go get the samples from yeah. the, the old growth Guatemalan tree. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's Ethan Supley. Yeah, of course. I don't know if, if I'm saying his name right, it could be Ethan Soupley. I don't know. But he was in Mallrats. That so was the first thing I saw and I was like, man, I hope, I hope he got to see that schooner someday.
1: I, I hope so too.
0: So, um, yeah, so we're watching the fountain and, uh, you know, I really liked it. I'm going to give a quick story about my first introduction to the uh, the movie itself. Back when it first came out in 2007? 2006, I believe. 2006. Ah. So you're ah. close. You're very close. Back when it came out in 2006, I was in the movie theaters, and I hadn't watched it. it. It didn't really strike my fancy. I was at the time more of just like a, I'm always a casual movie goer, but I kind of just wanted to go see like fun movies. So I went and saw some movie. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, at the time, and I was in the bathroom, and this guy came in, and he, not to say that people who have a certain dialect sound stupid, just this gentleman sounded dumb as hell. He's like, you know that movie, The Fountain? It's, you know, it's one of those movies that you you can only ask the director what it means. And after having watched the movie once, even twice, that sentence structure didn't really work out, but whatever, we'll, we'll roll with it. After having watching it, it is a very... Easy movie to figure out. It really wasn't, it's not that conceptually difficult.
1: I agree. I mean, one of the things that actually kind of bugs me is people who say things about art, which is you can kind of decide whatever art is on your own. I get what they're coming from. There's certainly something to be um interpreted by the viewer. Uh however, I do think that generally most artists kind of have something that kind of they want to portray. And what separates good movies from bad movies, uh, at least a little bit to me, is basically, you know, does the director spell everything out? Um, I think that's bad. However, if the director makes everything so vague in an attempt to be profound, I also think that's bad. And one thing I like about the fountain that, you know, we'll discuss is basically, I think there's multiple ways you can go with it. And I obviously have my own theory that I fleshed out over the many times I've viewed it. Um, but yeah, in terms of that guy, I, I I don't exactly think it's theory of relativity. I mean, I think that 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 a, a casual viewer could kind of figure out something, or at least get an opinion after a watching. But you know how the Americans are.
0: Yes, exactly. Way. Which is to say that we are Americans as well. We're dumb as hell.
1: We're, We're dumb as
0: hell. hell. So to give a brief plot synopsis, Hugh Jackman's character Thomas is a neurological surgeon it seems like he's a research scientist yes uh studying
1: if i can stop you here so
0: so, you know the movie better so please go ahead
1: well yeah so i actually want you to explain it because you recently watched it but i'll I'll probably jump in because i'm that kind of guy so dickhead yeah that's he's not wrong so, there's usually three kind of characters that Hugh Jackman plays, and, and I think it, it might be best uh, if we kind of stick with them just to to keep the timeline straight, because that's usually where most people go off the rails with the fountain, right? Okay. It's, I think it's trying gonna... to figure out the timeline. And so... Or if there is a timeline. I'm not saying there is. But basically, there's Tom, the astronaut, so he's kind of in the bubble, which okay. is a spaceship. Yeah. There's Tommy, who mm-hmm. is the doctor, and I believe he's a neurosurgeon. Yes. And there's Tomas, oh, who's and... the conquistador. Okay, And so... You know, so, All right. okay, I wasn't,
0: so... I didn't actually, Wow, well, I didn't even know that his name was Tom Creo. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize when he was in, I call it the snow globe, uh, which is the astronaut snow globe place. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and so, yeah, so Tommy, I, I should say, Tommy is the neurological surgeon who is researching a cure for, uh, tumors, so cancer, yeah, for cancerous cancer. growth yes. uh, growth. Not, well, gross cancer, yeah. cancer is growth. And the, you discover that the reason why he's doing that is his wife, Isabel, is... Izzy. Uh, Izzy, sorry. Yeah, Rachel yeah. Weiss is sorry. Izzy,
1: and Isabella Bella
0: is the Queen of Spain yeah. um, from the Conquistador timeline. Yeah. So, uh yeah, I I just remember as Isabel. I don't really care for the name Izzy. It reminds me of the pizza joint is the reason why. There was a pizza joint uh, that had, like, a buffet style, like, with pizza called yeah. Izzy's. Yes. And so I could never, I was just like, Izzy, I'm like, no.
1: I'm going to need you to be a little bit more esoteric so that our audience could really connect with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, I, I don't know. I never cared for Izzy. Okay, no, fair uh, enough, fair It's enough. also a diminutive
1: name, and I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of
0: diminutive
1: nicknames. Well, Izzy goes with Thomas, right? Yeah, or Tommy, I should say. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Izzy goes with Tommy because yeah. they're both hip and cool. They know what the kids are about. I I guess. Getting and
0: fighting cancer. (laughs) You know, when I was a young 26 year old, I'm guessing was their age at the time or whatever, I was getting cancer all the time and then, you know, and then we had to fight it, much like the Scooby Doo gang. (laughs) Jinkies. (laughs) Yeah, so he's trying to fight the cancer that his wife has and he is researching this via different treatment methods on their Not they're not monkeys they're they're baboons of some kind
1: yeah I'm not sure yeah I I remember his name is Donovan there's Donovan
0: and then there's Donovan and then there was was the second one who is Cain. And I thought that that might have had some importance, but I realized it doesn't at all.
1: I thought they were both Donovan. No. Oh, this is what I get for not watching the movie. Yeah, you
0: you suck. So there's Donovan, and I was like, okay, that's a pretty standard name. That doesn't mean anything. But then they saw Kane, and I was like, holy shit. Now we're getting into the allegory of some kind, of sure. a biblical allegory. and. It doesn't actually play out. I think they were just referencing it. It would have made sense if, like, the first one was named Abel and there was like a transfer between Cain to Abel that killed Abel. That would have played out, sure. but it didn't. It was just we're naming it Cain because we're referencing the Bible, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, that was <laughs> that was the only part where it was just like this movie's dense with allegory and metaphors, yes. and that was one of the times where it didn't really play out.
1: Gotta have a red herring every yeah, now and then. Yeah, again. exactly. We'll be right back to Scooby Doo. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so, tangent, did you ever watch the cartoon A Pup Named scooby yeah, And there was red a character herring. named Red Herring. I loved it. Yeah, he was... well,
1: I mean, I was a kid, and I didn't know what a red herring was. Yeah. And, I was like, and he had red hair, and I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then I watched it as an adult, and it was, it was like, what?
0: <laughs> that is like the funniest joke yeah. in the world to me. Like, looking back now, I'm like, God, I was such an idiot as a kid.
1: No, kids are idiots. All kids.
0: kids. All kids are idiots. Um, if you're a kid, you're an idiot uh-huh. right now. So his wife, Izzy, is also an author of some kind, which uh was kind of interesting. The the person who has cancer, and she's writing this story about a conquistador. And the name of the story is, is The Fountain. Fountain the yes. Fountain. Yeah, exactly. Uh which I forgot that yeah. part. Um yeah, so it's, you know, kind of a inception sort of thing, a story within a story, right? N- sure. Named after the same thing. Yes. And So she's writing this book, The Fountain, about a conquistador who goes to the New World trying to find the Fountain of Youth. The Fountain
1: of Youth.
0: Yeah. And her, as her, you know, life progresses, her, as her death comes near, she wants her husband Tommy to finish the book. And so as Tommy is researching these various extracts from, you know, plants from around the world, he finds this one, he tries something from a tree in South America, which is also Where Izzy's story is set. Yeah, the old Um,
1: growth tree from Guatemala. Guatemala.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what happens is that Donovan, or maybe at this time, at this point, is Kane. Donovan like starts to show signs of cellular regeneration. He starts getting younger and younger. Apparently, like he's showing his brain scans and tests are showing results from when he was 6 years old and apparently he's like a 9 year old monkey. Yeah,
1: cognitive cognitive improvement of a younger mind. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. And so but however it's not having impact on uh, the, tumor. the tumor that baboon they're baboons right
1: i you know i don't have time to dice up monkeys and yeah. if you are a monkey scientist please email us about how wrong we are but all we're right, just okay. gonna go with monkey baboon. yeah baboon okay we're
0: gonna go <laughs> I, I thought we we're gonna go with monkey and just be absolutely wrong but no let's go with baboon. let's go with
1: baboon <laughs> <laughs> so we can be more specifically wrong or specifically right fortune favors the bold all
0: right So, yeah, and so Tommy is only concerned about... Tumors. The tumors. And everyone else is, like, jizzing themselves over the fact that they've fucking discovered the Fountain of Youth. Because, of course, they are. They want to destroy death just like anyone else does. Death is a disease. disease, Which comes into play later. Yes. Um, So, as Izzy's cancer is kind of taking over, she, you know, turns to Tommy to finish the book. Her... You know, life is coming to an end, and she's come to accept that. Yes. Along the way, she, you know, has there's been glimpses of—well, not glimpses, but she's told stories of her past where she went to Guatemala to kind of research this story that she wants to write about the Fountain of Youth and the conquistadors who uh, were looking for it at the time. And she got introduced to the phrase, the road to awe. Death is the road to awe. Death is the road to awe, yes, which I I actually don't understand. That phrase at
1: all. Well, yeah, so that's an interesting thing. And, uh, and, and just one last plug. I mean, I probably should have said this earlier, but the, uh, the, the soundtrack, I guess, the score to this movie was by Clint Mansell, who does a lot with Aronofsky. And the score is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, a lot of the things I've been saying are actually the, the name of the songs from the score. So, Death is the Road to Awe is one of the songs. I did not know that. Yeah, I listened to that a lot as well. It's a good song. It is. And, uh, you know, so Death is the Road to Awe, I guess, is, you know, when she talks about Xibalba, which I think I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead of you a little bit, so Yeah, apologies. well, we're
0: kind of skipping ahead around, or we're skipping around with the plot because it's this is a hard movie to describe the plot of. Yeah, it absolutely
1: is. Yeah, so I'll just address this and then I'll let you continue because I think it's mm-hmm. very valuable for somebody who isn't me to kind of describe what's going on in the movie. But, you know, to me, kind of death is the road to awe, you know, when they talk about Jabalba, which was the Mayan underworld, but it was also kind of the Mayan rebirth. I don't know a whole lot about Mayan mythology except, you know, kind of from this movie and the fact that the 2012 12 guys bought a lot of ammunition uh, that they still have, but they didn't need when they thought they would. But, uh, you know, Death is the Road to Oz, if you kind of, you know, view that as you know, when you die, you go to Jabalba, you kind of get reborn, first father and all that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not 100% clear on it, but but that was kind of what I think they were after. But please continue.
0: Okay, so um speaking on Jabalba and Izzy's travels to Guatemala, she discovers that the Mayan underworld, the, you know, what happens when he dies, you go to Jabalba. Jabalba is also represented in Mayan culture, according to this movie, and I don't know how accurate it is. I assume it is because this is a very dense movie, and I can't believe that they wouldn't do their um, homework, right? And so, Xebolba is represented as a nebula inside the belt of Orion. It's actually the leftmost star that makes up the belt of Orion.
1: And I believe it's a dying star. Yes, it's right. a dying
0: star, but it, surrounded by a nebula. That's yes, correct, yeah. yeah. And so, the idea is that that star is dying, but there's new stars that are being created from the death of that star, which comes into play with the mythology as described in this movie... Where the first father, which is the first human, created the world by killing himself. He sacrificed himself and became a great tree, and therefore created the universe around himself. Yes. So through death is creation. And that's actually Izzy's main conceit through this entire movie: is that, yeah, she's dying, but something can come from it. And and at first it seems like what she's talking about is her book. Like her book will, her work will live on through her uh, and through her husband, Tommy. And she then turns to Tommy to finish the book. And he is, you know, he's like, I'm so confused. How can I do this? You know, I don't, I'm not a writer. I'm a neurological surgeon. So he starts reading her book. And her book is about Tomas, the conquistador, is trying to save Spain from the Grand Inquisitor, from the Spanish Inquisition. So this is set during the time of the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one, no one expects the <laughs> Spanish Inquisition! And that's how you ruin Monty Python jokes, by repeating them. And so she, not she, he is trying to save Queen Isabella. Um, or is it Isabel?
1: I, I don't remember. It's if Isabel. Isabel. okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, it, Queen Isabel sends him... And her number one priest mm-hmm. to the New World. Well, so she
0: sends that priest because, one, he's still loyal. And, two, he actually well, made he a knows. discovery. Yeah, yeah, he
1: has the dagger and the map, mm-hmm. which is why... Yeah, so she sends Tomas, the priest. He takes his two dudes, and they yeah. go to the New World to, to find, find
0: the fountain of the Essentially, yes. And through that... And so the the grand inquisitor who is a you know catholic inquisitor is trying to kill the queen or take over Spain because he believes that through death you will have salvation which is what you know the teachings of the church right you know the kingdom of heaven lies beyond uh, the grave and he feels that it is the greatest form of vanity that the queen is trying to become immortal.
1: To live forever would basically be an insult to God.
0: yeah. Yeah, and that's what he's about. But he's also a totally sadistic fucker. And the great thing about that character is that he represents something that's happening in the real world. Yes. Which, let's get into this for just a second. The story of the Conquistador is essentially the Shakespearean play within the play. It's describing what's happening in the real world in a summarized fashion to make it easier for the audience to grasp what's happening. Thomas is trying to save the queen. Thomas is Tommy, obviously, der. Queen Isabel is Izzy, der. And the Grand Inquisitor is Cancer. And in the movie, they say the line, the beast is feeding on the strength of Spain. Yes. And is growing strong through it. And yes. so that it's, that's a very clear metaphor. And if anyone couldn't understand that, it's, that would be baffling to it's, me.
1: It's very analogous, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I'm not trying to be, like, insulting. It's just... It, some of these things, like... Aronofsky is obviously not trying to hold our hands through it, mm-hmm. but it's also not such a clouded metaphor that it it would be that hard to come with uh, Well, come it,
1: with. and that's what i enjoy is you know it's basically yeah you know if he if he basically spells it out for you then that's not very interesting but he gives you enough that if you apply and you know some critical thought you can basically kind of you know figure that figure out, it out. Yeah, yeah exactly so and i very
0: much enjoy that they go to the new world thomas the conquistadors and the priests uh go to the new world to try and find the fountain of youth using this dagger uh and a map so they found that the, there's these four holes in the dagger that kind of will, they were able to triangulate this hidden pyramid.
1: That is like velocity, the most, Was it, was it Chichinicha or am I just like- It
0: sounds right.
1: Am I making that up? You might be making that I'm up. I'm making that up.
0: Alright. <laughs> so they're, they're going and they're lost because it's the rainforest of course you're
1: going to get lost well, also that's analogous to to tommy trying mm-hmm. new things and new things and not getting it yeah basically going in circles metaphorically and literally and literally
0: and so the con- the other conquistadors or i don't even know what they are he's a conquistador the other people who are there who are soldiers they're conquistadors i guess so yeah i mean
1: um, you know the, you know he he's in charge but well, they're still conquistadors i i there guess it bros
0: yeah supposedly. Yeah. So they're uh, they're frustrated because they can't find what they're looking for and that obviously is analogous to Tommy's own feelings where he's fucking frustrated because he cannot he keeps getting close to something that will save his wife's life. Yes. But he's not quite getting there. Yes. And then, all of a sudden, there's this, like, great discovery. The priest has found the hidden pyramid, which is, like, this kind of interesting scene where he's, like, standing, like, where he feels like he should. And he holds the, the dagger up to the sky. And the,
1: he sees the stars The stars yeah. line
0: up with Jabalba in the middle. Yeah. And then he starts walking away confused. And then there's, like, a flash of lightning. And the rain comes. And it washes away this mud that he was standing on. To find a placard in the ground, essentially, yes, yeah, like piece a piece of stone, yeah, in the ground, which
1: the dagger Fits plugged into, into yeah. and then I believe the blade pointed in the direction they needed to go, right?
0: Yes, yeah. and but then he looks up at the direction of the blade, and this is the part where it's like movies are movies, right? It yeah. kind of pulled me away for a second. Where he looks up, and there's a flash of lightning, and there's a fucking pyramid there. Well, you know, pay hey for it, yeah. Hey, you and know. so that was a uh, that was the only part where I'm like, all right, come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's like you couldn't see a pyramid in the dark. And I get it. Like, it's supposed to be he's in the rainforest and it's true darkness. But from the perspective of the audience, which is a omnipresent or omniscient viewpoint, everything was really well lit. And it had to be because it's a movie. And I get that. I, I get it. It was just one of those times where I'm like, that could have been done a little yeah, bit it differently. could have
1: been done a little bit better. Fair yeah. Enough.
0: So that was one of the few niggling points I had. So they go. The conquistadors go after a big fight, which is the... Tommy's frustration boiling over. Almost all of the conquistadors are killed, except for two. Yes. And the priest is killed. Correct. Um, so, in a sense, his guiding
1: way is destroyed, and he has to just move forward on this one path. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I think at that point, it's, it's basically he has to take the leap of faith, right? Mm-hmm. Because the authoritative position is now gone. And so, yeah. the question is, is he going to take that leap of faith and go on his own or not?
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, and I agree with that. So, he goes, and they are... Thoroughly just trounced by the Mayans. I love the line at the beginning. So, the beginning of the movie starts with them being destroyed yes. by the uh, the Mayans. Yes. <laughs> when one of the conquistadors, they discover that the, a trap has been laid for him and then suddenly all these Mayans appear, and he yells,
1: Pagans!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just love that
1: line. It's very, it's very appropriate it's, for the time. It is. It's yeah. very
0: accurate. They are, in fact, the definition of pagans. Yes. <laughs> it was just so funny to like i've never in my life thought to describe someone as a pagan like just being like upset at them like you pagan fuck yeah you know, like, eh, you know do what I, you gotta do what you gotta do i just i loved it and it was one of those like little bits that i i very much appreciated so they get captured and he is taken before the guardian of essentially eden at this point now we're uh, yeah
1: at that point it does I, I do i do agree with you that it, it transitions to eden yeah,
0: yeah. and so they're Which is an interesting take, because Eden is oftentimes thought to be in Africa. Yes, yes. But it's a different take on Eden and going to South America, and I kind of like that idea.
1: I actually really did like that, too, because, you know, I mean, I kind of, you know, grew up religious, and so I I did always think that it was, you know, in Africa, but Mm -hmm. why not Central America? Sure, Okay, well, here's the other point, I suppose. Not Central America, South America. Sorry, yeah, thank you. Guatemala is in Central America. We'll fix that later. But, yep. uh, but, uh, but. <laughs> I, yeah. I was,
0: I actually had that thought as well. I'm like, isn't Guatemala in Central America? Yeah. But they describe going to South America.
1: Uh, I don't remember that, but I believe you. But, anyways, so the, the, the key Maybe is, I've just been a dumb idiot this entire yeah, that's, time. Yeah, that's probably true. No, that's good. No, no uh, dozens of people on the internet will know that. But, uh, you have to remember.
0: Ones of people will know
1: that. <laughs> it's just going to be us. Yeah. But, you know, after Adam and Eve get kicked out of the Garden of Eden, God hides it. Yes. So maybe that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was in Africa, and they get kicked out, and maybe he hit it and moved it to Central South America. And if you're a geologist, just tell us. Yeah. It's almost like God can do anything. Almost. <laughs> almost. What a cool guy. Yeah.
0: They are then confronted with the Guardian of Eden, which at the beginning of the movie is a description of the and you know when God kicked Adam and Eve out of Eden, he placed a guardian who had a flaming sword. Was that
1: Gabriel? I think maybe.
0: Gab- yeah, I believe Gabriel is the angel, but I don't yeah. think they referred to him by name. But no, no, I don't think from so. But yeah, no, Catholic mythology, Gabriel, yeah. he is Gabriel. Yeah, yes, with the flaming sword, and so the protector of Eden. In this case, in the in the book the fountain inside the movie the fountain has Mm. a flaming sword yeah that was super dope that was dope and uh you know he's yelling at thomas and we cut away yes at that point like it looks like thomas is about to die and then we cut away back to the main plot however weaved throughout these two plot lines of tommy the surgeon and tomas the conquistador has been tom Creo, the astronaut I like to call him the Snow Globe Man. Okay. Because what's happening is that th- we've throughout it, like I was, I was saying, is these scenes of a bald monk-looking man flying through space in a snow globe doing Tai Chi. Doing Tai Chi, which I, I noticed that the, that was one of the things, and I want to get into it when we go into our second screen. But I did notice him doing karate the second time or Tai Chi. And it didn't have anything to do with anything. Well, yeah. yeah. And so he's in the snow globe going through space. And the idea is that they're going to Jabalba. He's in the snow globe with a giant tree. And the tree takes up 85% of the snow globe. He'll take like bits and pieces off the tree and eat it. The interesting part is that the tree will react every time he puts his hand up to it. And this is like a big part of the scene. There's like these little hairs on the tree that have like this static electrical um, attraction to his hand every time he puts it up to it. Yes. Um, there's actually three instances throughout the movie that's doing it. Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3, obviously. Yes. In Act 1, there's a strong charge. I'm getting ahead of myself. There's a strong charge. Act 2, there's a moderate charge. And then Act 3, there's no charge at all. So he's flying to a nebula, which is obviously Jabulba, And the idea is that the... My impression is that the snow globe man is the derivative of the character's. The tree is Izzy and the, and Tom Creo is Tommy. And it's supposed to represent their souls. Okay. So it's Tommy's soul and his internal struggle with trying to save his wife while doing everything he can for her. Okay. But that's regrettable because in the sense that she's playing a passive role in her own life leading up to her death because Tommy is the only active character. And in, and in the main Tommy-Izzy timeline, that's kind of what's happening. Is okay. That, he, she tries to influence him and like tries to get him to you know realize that she's dying and have peace with it and he is not having any part of that yes and so that's kind of i feel like that's that's what i mean by derivative in the sense that she is passive and in that uh snow globe she's a tree and can't do fucking anything yes and he's taking bits and pieces of her um of the last bits of her remnants
1: And trying to maintain himself through her. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And we'll get back to that. Because I want you to finish your... Evaluation of, of, basically the movie, I guess with the synopsis, and then yeah. we'll get back to that, cause I have many opinions, which you will all hear, whether you want to or not.
0: Yep. So, as the movie goes on, like, Izzy is in the hospital, she's dying, and Tommy's trying to save her life, and we're, we're cutting out, like, all, th- we're doing a bit of a disservice, Um
1: Well, you have to watch
0: the movie. You have to watch the movie. You have yeah. to watch the movie. It's, it's an incredible movie. Yeah, and, yeah. so, the, Tommy's in the, she's in the hospital, and Tommy's with her, and he's trying to, like, you know, comfort her. But at the same time, he keeps getting pulled back to his job trying to find a cure for her. I mean, it's
1: his last ditch effort.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you, you, Come to realize through watching this movie,
1: particularly through that super hot bathroom scene. That that's is hot. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm I'm going to wrestle my wife into a bathtub and then get my clothes all soapy and then drag that throughout the house. Yep. And then now we're way better than we were before. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> that's how you fix relationships: relationship. Yeah. soapy bathroom sex. Nailed it. Yeah. Not to say that <laughs> Matthew, you have a wife currently.
1: Well, that's you a know, future
0: future tense, ladies, ladies. So just having a drink, a little drink, a drink. So while Izzy's in the hospital, there's you know a couple of dramatic scenes there where you know they're trying to comfort each other. It's not just Tommy's trying to comfort her; she's also trying to comfort Tommy because she is ready to die, and Tommy is not at all ready to let go, um, which is evidenced by the Tom Creo snow globe scenes. Sure. And there's, you know, he gets into a, a argument with the doctor who's treating her, and she's in the process of dying. and He literally punches the doctor. We've He's trying, all done it. Yeah, we've I mean, all we've all been it. there. We've all punched a doctor. Yeah, we've
1: all punched a doctor. You
0: know, and it, I guess it is one of those things where things where it's obvious that he is a genius. Medical researcher. However, the other doctor, the ER doctor, doesn't know that. Uh, but he's like, I'm I'm a doctor. And then the guy's like pulling him away, and then he just clocks him. Yeah. And you know, it's like you can feel bad for a guy whose wife is dying, right? But at the point when someone punches you, you're just like, fuck that guy. Yeah. And that's pretty evidenced by the doctor's like, fuck this guy.
1: Well, and you, I mean, you see it in pretty much anything that involves, you know, the emotional state of being involved. You know, the the old joke of any lawyer who represents himself has a fool for a client, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, even though, you know, Tommy is kind of a medical genius, you know, it's a, it's a completely different thing. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of see that.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree.
1: So Izzy dies.
0: Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Izzy dies. I love that we uh, did if the you spoiler got, if alert. If you
1: got this far without watching the movie, then I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Which, I'm going on a side tangent, is actually one of the troubles of doing a, a movie podcast. Uh, there's another movie podcast that I very much enjoy called Cinephilia Anonymous they didn't talk about the movie like we're talking about it they didn't want to spoil anything and we clearly don't give a shit about that yeah where it was hard to follow along because they're like you should see the movie first and then come listen to our analysis where we're just kind of like everything is out the door
1: yeah no i i mean i I, and i I like that better there's no way you could talk about this without yeah i agree (laughs) this
0: movie definitely
1: yeah Izzy
0: dies. Yeah, so Izzy dies. We cut back to Tom Creo in the Snow Globe, the astronaut, and they're approaching the nebula. They're in the nebula, actually, and approaching the Dead Star, and from there, Jabalba. like, Jabalba, she's supposed to become reborn. And that's his belief, right? Is that she will become reborn. And in this kind of the analogy that if the Tree of Life bark that they used on Donovan worked, then Izzy would become reborn, yes. right? But that doesn't happen. Izzy dies, and Tom Creo reaches out his hand, and Nothing happens. The, you know there's no static charge there's no life left in the tree essentially the static charge was supposed to represent her life force i suppose because she's got the tree itself has no leaves on it to represent livelihood right it looks like a tree in winter it's a, a dying
1: tree yes. it's a dying tree the, the winter comes into play yeah yeah
0: that was very much come into play she dies and she's buried in tommy's boss's farm now throughout the movie you've been introduced to tommy's boss um who is played by ellen burstein uh, her name is dr lillian guzzetti uh Lillian, I find to be very interesting, and I'll talk about that in a second. She's obviously friends with Tommy and Izzy. Yes. And there has been established that they're friends from a long, long time ago. She very much cares for Tommy, and she very much cares for Izzy. And while Tommy's been... Neglecting his wife to focus on research, she's been, like, yelling at him and getting into fights with him to try and get him to, you know, go be with his fucking while she's dying. And he cannot handle the fact that she's dying. Yes. She dies, and she's buried on Izzy's family's farm. In a very nice ceremony, Dr. Lillian is giving the eulogy, and Tommy walks away, and he says... One of his main conceits for his character: death is a disease, and, and I'm here, and I like will like any other, exactly. Yes. And so he then devotes his life. It's implied that he devotes his life to curing death. But you don't really see much of that. And the idea being that he devotes his life through great suffering. And that, I got that at implied. Okay. There's nothing that specifically says that, but it seemed like he gave the impression when he was walking away from his wife's grave during the eulogy that he was a man going to war. Okay. He was uh suffering large and he was going to stomp the shit out of death. And it looked like he was just going to give everything he had until he died.
1: But
0: he had, to, nothing, he had nothing holding him back. Yeah, there, yeah exactly. Right? Um, so it implied great suffering on his part. So that, but we don't get that because it then cuts to Tom Creo, who's dealing with the death of his wife, the tree in the snow globe. And it's from there that Tom Creo has a bunch of flashbacks to Izzy's life and like her talking about recreation and the various philosophies that are described throughout the movie. And he comes to the realization that he must leave the snow globe, and meet Jabulba first. Okay. So he then realizes, this is the soul of Tommy, realizes that he must become reborn himself so that in a way Izzy can be reborn in a way okay. and through that is through her work sure so he Tom Creo, he climbs up the tree that is representative of his wife Izzy and leaps out of the bubble you, you call it
1: snow globe yeah it leaps yeah. out of the
0: snow globe yeah. in, and meets Jabulba head on in full
1: lotus yeah in full lotus so yeah. it's like
0: uh, <laughs> it was I was watching it uh, with someone and she thought it was kind of like cultural appropriation right as a uh, western culture taking eastern culture and while I love the cinematography and the Im- the imagery involved in this movie, it definitely felt like something out of a Spencer's uh gifts where it was like it felt like a black velvet neon, like
1: dark light yeah. poster where he's just like a guy. So oh, hit so <laughs> man. Yeah, so hit man. Well I mean I think you know, I'm not I know white guy knowing about Eastern culture a little bit. I I believe that Buddhism has like the six stages and mm-hmm. it's all everything's a cycle in Buddhism, which I think everything's kind of a cycle in Mayan culture as well. Yeah. it's kind of their their you know religious uh beliefs, which is you know you'll see throughout the movie but um you know so if you accept that it honors buddhism like that it represents it with the, the the cycles of rebirth and etc and then also a supposedly Hugh Jackman it took him like 18 months to get full to lotus oh, for this role supposedly really? same thing with tai chi so
0: okay that's interesting yeah so then he basically becomes reborn
1: And he is destroyed,
0: and through his destruction, or that character at the time was destroyed by Jaboba and it dumps all of his essence into the the snow globe that holds Izzy. Uh, As soon as he does that, it cuts back to Tomas the Conquistador, about to be killed by the Guardian of Eden. Mm -hmm. And the Guardian of Eden then, like, sees Tom Creo, the astronaut, uh, in full lotus, and then realizes, like, oh, it's the first father. Holy crap. And then, like, supplements himself on the ground. And is like, please kill me, like, through you is, like, our, our road to awe. Yeah, death is a road to death awe. Death is a road to awe. And Tomas then is like, what the hell is going on? Like, who is this weirdo? He kills the Mayan guard. Dutifully, dutifully slits like,
1: Yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> which the Mayan guard was presenting his throat to him to kill him so yes. that he could then enter Eden. Tomas then enters Eden, which is this really beautiful tree, like, with this well maintained like pool
1: yeah kind of yeah and yeah, i kind of like so. that
0: the pool was really cool I, I thought that was very interesting and then he goes up to this tree that looks exactly like the tree that represented izzy in the snow globe yes and from there discovers that if he stabs it with the dagger that he had and then he had been stabbed by the Mayan guard once and was about to be killed and he was bleeding out of his side he put the sap on his wound and that healed his wound he's like holy shit this is dope then he <laughs> fucking stabs the shit out of the tree and like all the like
1: it's
0: like sap sap but yeah. it looks like glue yeah. it, looks like, well, elmer's it's like, it glue. looks like
1: elmer's glue
0: yeah. yeah yeah um so he just like starts drinking this stuff and he's like i'm gonna live forever bitches so he starts drinking this he's like yes i'm gonna take this back to isabel and she's going to be my eve yes which she says earlier I in the movie say, yeah yeah
1: i will be your eve yeah,
0: i will be your eve and <laughs> he's like yes this is gonna be awesome i'm totally gonna bang the queen and then he has this abrupt reaction where these flowers start sprouting out of his body out of the wound out of the first. wound first and yeah. then just like takes over his body and he yeah. is just destroyed by nature yes which is to say which is which is obviously obviously an analog that you can't kill death you can only accept it, right? Which I, that's what I took from it. I don't sure. know if you agree. You can see where I'm coming from. Yeah, you know? no, I see.
1: I absolutely see where you're coming from. I mean, that was. I mean, you know, that's. We'll get to that part later. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So he, Tomas the conquistador, dies, and Tom Creo the astronaut has sacrificed himself for Izzy, which is uh, which is to say that he, Tommy, has died and then become reborn. Tomas the conquistador has died, but then be reborn in the form of flowers. Tommy ends the movie by going back to his wife's grave and planting the seed of a tree so that she can be recreated, reincarnated in this tree, and that will be her road to awe and that, thus the movie ends. And scene. Scene.
1: So, <laughs>
0: my first impression, going into first impressions, Yes, okay. Is... Yeah, we're only one-sixth of the way through. Well, okay, so no, I, I know, think I the other two parts are going to be a bit quicker. So, you know, I wrote down a lot of things and a lot of that I talked about already. My first impression of the movie, when I, if I can recall, was that it was, you know, I very much enjoyed it. I really fucking liked that movie. I know that you've talked about it for forever, but I just, I'm bad at watching movies, so I haven't uh, given this Sean, I'm I'm glad that you recommended it because this is actually this is a very very cool movie. You know, I I kinda talked about it earlier, but again, my first impressions were like to break it down. And that's kind of what I do with every movie. I try and break it down. So obviously the point of the life of Tommy and Izzy, or that timeline, is the main plot. Okay. And everything else is a descriptor to the main plot. Okay. The conquistadors are the play within the play, I already talked about that earlier. And Tom Creo is the soul of the characters. Okay, yeah, because that was gonna
1: be my my the first question I always ask anybody is what is the present of this movie, right? Going back to seventh grade English, Miss. Healy, mm-hmm. right? What is the setting of this movie, as in yeah. what is the present? Yeah, and so I
0: feel like Tommy and Izzy is the present, it's okay. the setting, and okay. everything else is associated to that.
1: Sure. Uh, it's, a, it's basically representing their journey. Right, Okay. Yes, exactly.
0: You know, I was it, it was an interesting journey, this movie. It's a very interesting journey, because it plays with time, and it plays mm-hmm. with setting, and I can see how that, like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's kind of confusing for people at first. You know, it definitely doesn't tell you a linear story, and I kind of really like that. Yes. And that, that I found to be very refreshing it was the the score was awesome there were times where there was no sound no music at all and those times at least the one time when like Tommy is like walking through the streets of whatever city they're in they never described the setting
1: yeah because yeah because the city doesn't matter i kind of it felt kind of chicago to me but yeah it's, you know, it doesn't matter right right, right it doesn't right. matter
0: i get the impression of chicago only because it was snow
1: yes well that was that was part of it and you know in illinois is the only place where you could have a city well i guess not the only place but it's a place where you could have a city like chicago mm-hmm. but still have have a country farm
0: yeah right right because we actually Matthew and myself recently took a trip through Illinois yes and the city was a city but then everything outside of it was like these beautiful rolling hills and sometimes mountains um and palatial like farms it was actually quite interesting
1: yes and actually now that you mention that I take back that I think it's Chicago because I did not see one construction cone as he was driving (laughs) into the city so I don't think it's Chicago anymore yeah, there's definitely plenty of those. So, yeah, so he's
0: walking through the city and like almost gets hit by a car, but you don't hear anything during that time. Everything's kind of muffled. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, it's kind of like the muffling of snow, but there's like, there's no music. Everything's muffled and it's him coming to the realization or something that his wife is going to die. And yeah. dealing with his wife going, is about to die and he is haggard by it. He's he stymied. So yeah, that was my, uh, that was my first impression, okay. Matthew.
1: And what, okay, so I guess, yeah, that's a good opinion. So again, I've seen this movie way too many times. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the very first impression, I watched this movie, so it came out, as you mentioned, 2006. I watched it in 2007 on DVD, so if nobody knows what DVD is while they're listening to this, then I hate <laughs> it's you. It's
0: like the super future. Yeah, and uh, it, it,
1: it's actually important, the DVD, because I watched it, and, you know, I know that, you know, there are lots of people who know what DVDs are, but if you ever watch a DVD and just let it play through the movie, it will go through the credits, and then it will basically restart back to the menu, and and the menu of this DVD, it plays, uh I, I don't remember which song it plays, but it's... It's a very kind of heavy song. And I remember I, I watched it and, and I was just stunned. And it went through the credits and I was just like still looking at the TV because I didn't feel like moving. I was thinking, you know, I was in awe. And then it, it went back to the menu and I think I watched the menu for about 20 minutes. And wow. it was it was because, you know, the song was playing and I was still thinking. And so my first impressions was I was just basically blown away. And. I don't even remember kind of doing any real analysis of the first impression of this mm-hmm. movie. I mostly just kind of took it all in. So, okay. and then, and then it was viewings 2 through 14,614 that I developed, uh, these, these kind of opinions that I have written down on the sheet of paper in front of me. So that was my first impression of this movie.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I wonder if I did this movie a disservice because I first watched it for the purpose of recording this podcast. And so I was kind of being a bit analytical and I didn't really sit down and enjoy it maybe the way that I should, have. perhaps. I'm 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 more making a hypothetical question than being like, oh, I, I did this movie to service. Perhaps I
1: did. You know, maybe I shouldn't have been so analytical to begin with. Let's no, be... I, I understand where you're coming from. And I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a correct answer to that. I mean, you know, when I watched it, you know, when this movie first came out, uh I remember everyone was kind of shocked. Everyone loved it when it came out. And they were especially loving the visuals and you know no matter what you think about this movie I think it's fair to say that the visuals are absolutely stunning and then over a few years I think it kind of suffered from hipster backlash I don't know if hipster was really a thing kind of in the late 2000s but people kind of turned on it and they were basically uh you know basically like this movie, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it tries so hard to be deep and it's, you know, it's pretty kind of dumb and like, yeah, it looks cool, but it's, you know, it's, it's just trying so hard. And, and I never really felt that way. And, And I guess that was kind of interesting, that the fact that, you know, me watching it as this movie came out and the reactions to it, whereas you watching it years later with a more analytical view, and not that that's a bad lens, it's just a different lens. But I get where you're coming
0: from. I hate that idea. The, like, oh, so-and-so so so tried too hard. It's the 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 insult, the current-day insult, that fucking try-hard, right? It's... You know who cares if someone try hard? And I would rather somebody try hard and make something interesting than someone who didn't try at all and just stumbled into success, right?
1: For sure. Well, and I, you know, I definitely, I, I absolutely agree with you that you know people insulting stuff about trying stuff. And I think you know, part of me wonders if maybe it uh it might have been people were kind of you know this might, movie might have been too intellectual. You know, i another movie that I love, probably top five, is Pan's Labyrinth, and, mm-hmm. and I think it, it kind of suffered not as much only because it never kind of blew up as much as the Fountain, but. I I really like Pan's Labyrinth and I think they're the kind of things where you know it's not like you go to a movie theater and it's like eight hours of a balloon spinning and people are like that is so deep like it was one of those, like he clearly had a point to me he had a cognizant story it was well presented it was visually amazing like this is a complete movie to me not like an abstract art that you basically make and then if somebody doesn't like it you say they just don't understand it. right and I think that it kind of got that backlash and I don't really know why
0: I, I absolutely agree it's not like Donnie Darko. Yes. So this movie is definitely, it's got, it's a very dense movie. It's got a lot of topics that it covers on, but at least there isn't any supplicant reading that you need to go through. Like in our example, Donnie Darko. To sure. actually understand the plot, there is an entire book. Yeah. And that's cool. I kind of like that because it's like, oh right, here's this extra layer of mystery that you need to go. And I also really love Donnie Darko. However, at the same time, a movie needs to stand on its own and it doesn't need a book to explain the basic concepts of it. And this movie does a very good job of that, right? A-
1: yeah, absolutely. And I know we kind of argued at this outside the theater after uh, episode 7 mm-hmm. for uh, Electric Boogaloo, yeah. <laughs> uh, where, you know, you, you definitely judge movies in a vacuum, but you can also judge them in context. And mm-hmm. that's one of those things where if I have to read a book to understand a movie... It failed as a movie. I, I, I think it failed as a movie, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, so first impressions were
0: obviously really good. Um Second impression, I so I watched this movie this last... Week, as my second time of watching it
1: i didn't because i don't listen to the rules
0: yeah clearly uh that's not going to happen for the next movie we'll see you pile shit i'm not even gonna watch it once so he's actually uh if you don't know matthew is actually an anim- anthropomorphic pile of garbage
1: that's he's not wrong <laughs>
0: Ladies, <laughs> ladies. So, second impression was really cool. Now, I, I wonder if I again did this movie disservice because I watched it with somebody else. Um, uh, the person who I'm currently seeing, so we're a bit distracted, but uh, not terribly so.
1: We should really get her in here. I'm kind of <laughs> curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be kind of
0: fun, but too bad she's not here. I think she's at Mythic Worlds at the moment.
1: Nerd! Nerd. Super nerd.
0: So, before we get into second impression, actually, there's a couple things that I wrote down as notes from my first impression. One of them is that the... I mentioned this earlier that Tommy's boss's name is Lillian, and I found that to be quite interesting. For those of you who don't know, Lillian is actually a main character in the Book of Genesis during the Adam and Eve saga. That I actually didn't know that. That's, you did that, That's...
1: No, I did not.
0: It's actually from the Hebrew text. Lillian is Adam's first wife. Okay. And it is from Lillian that, like, all the evil in the world
1: comes. Thanks, Lily.
0: Yeah. So uh, did I get that from Neon Genesis Evangelion? Maybe. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> yeah. Illuminati
1: confirmed. Well, I, I think, I, think I could be wrong. Again, I violated the rules and did not watch this neither first nor second time, as we're supposed to, but I believe they call her Lily, do they not? They might. I don't remember. Okay. I never
0: really cared. I, I will be honest. I never really cared for her actress.
1: Oh, see, I thought... I, I loved her because I thought she kind of had like a Judy Dench. Like, she could tell me basically everything would be okay at any time. It was, and I would I would accept it.
0: So, it, the thing about her... It, and it's not that her actress did, did it wrong mm-hmm. or anything. It was just she was reacting at a different level constantly than I felt like Hugh Jackman was reacting. She was always... I don't know. There was just something that was slightly off about the way that she was playing that character that I didn't care for. Now, if someone else had played that character, it might have hit a little bit harder for me. And I'm not. I'm not trying to shit on this actress. It's just the way that she or the director or whoever the editor just decided to play that character. See, right. I
1: think that might have actually been by design because kind of how I interpreted her through the movie was was she was an element, kind of a voice of reason, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Tommy's you know violating medical and ethical standards, and she's. Like, like you get us shut down by the NAA. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tommy doesn't really care about the results for anti-aging. He's ready to basically dump the entire experiment to, to try again. And she's saying, "What are you doing? These results are significant." Right. And you know, uh, she comforts Izzy. You know, as as Izzy's dying, she's basically there for Tommy. And 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 that's the thing that that maybe maybe you know this could be the point where I start reading too far into it, right? But her character to me was kind of you know the the voice of reason. And and when you're in the state that Tommy's in, you don't really want to listen to reason, right? Right. And and maybe. Maybe, maybe that maybe that's exactly how she was told to portray it or maybe that's how she decided to and, and that's that's how I interpret and, and I'm not
0: disagreeing with you on that it's more like the the inflections that she used and the tonality of her voice never quite matched up or made sense and i wonder if maybe they took they used takes that they felt were more real sure but for me we're just slightly off
1: okay um yeah, and
0: yeah for some reason it just didn't flow like human speech actually flows
1: okay and i mean i i t- you know the way because i'm i'm imagining her scenes in my mind right now and you know when she says you know like what are you doing we could get shut down by the nih like yeah that's I, why i, I I always felt that was real. Right. Like, because I mean, that's like a huge violation of medical and ethical standards. I
0: absolutely agree. It's not that I, that's why I made a point to say that I didn't like her character. Fair enough. Because the things that she was saying and the, everything that she said made perfect sense. It was just the way that they were said and the way that they were acted that just seemed slightly off. Fair enough. So, but I, I, I liked the, I'm not trying to shit on her. I liked her. I think that she's a great actress. It's just her role in this didn't really uh pan out for me. I accept your point. Okay. I love that. Uh, so I got a couple of notes. One of them, uh Creo is Spanish for create. Yes. Yeah, so I like that. Um, he's obviously being recreated. I like that.
1: Playa is Spanish for beach and yeah. I've just exhausted my 10th grade Spanish. All right. There <laughs> we go.
0: One of the other notes I've got two other notes for my first uh, viewing. Donovan is Irish by, uh, by like where the name comes from. and that, the beach. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually wrote Donovan is Irish doesn't mean shit.
1: Fantastic. And like, I, I know the, the, the internet can't see this but I'm looking at his ridiculously uh, hipster notebook and yeah, it's there.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I also wrote Izzy is shorthand for Isabella. I actually wrote Isabella. He, Completely forgetting the fact that the character's name is Isabel. I think it's Twilight, dude. Twilight has ruined us, I, especially the region that it, we're in. You're Internet probably detectives right. detectives go nuts. Fucking, to figure out where we are. Yeah. It's Forks. All mm-hmm. Forks. Everyone lives in Forks. So, yeah, that was a bit of that. I think I touched on everything from my first viewing. Uh So, second screening, the second viewing. I went into watching this movie the second time. We sat down and I started the movie. And as soon as it started, I remember thinking, oh, fuck. I've got a long road ahead of me. Not because it's a long movie. It's actually a a normally spaced movie. It's like about 90 minutes to two hours. So that's a normal movie. It's just so dense. It's so rich with... Environment a, and analogy and topics that it felt like when I sat
1: down to watch it the second time that there was a long haul ahead of me. It's an emotionally heavy movie. Yeah, Yeah, like it's not a movie where it's like, hey, what's up, buddy? Thanks for coming over. Grab a beer. Let's watch the fountain. <laughs> yeah, Like yeah. we're having a good time. We maybe place some booze bomb between. No, it no. is not that kind of movie. No. Absolutely not. It was. uh It was definitely a slog. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's emotionally heavy. It's. I mean, it's one of those things where like you've got to be in the mood to watch this. Again, I've watched this movie a lot. And, yeah. You, uh, have a picture from it tattooed on your shoulder yes yes i have that super dope yeah i do have that tattoo and uh we'll post that somewhere and uh yeah you you basically you know it's uh, somebody described uh one of our buddies described a motorcycle uh which is you know if you've got a racing motorcycle it's not a form of transportation you have to want to be on a motorcycle and that's how i feel about a fountain it's yeah. the fountain it's not a movie you have to want to watch the fountain that's also
0: actually how i feel about most fountains
1: you You have to
0: want to watch a fountain yeah you have to want to watch a fountain (laughs) whether or not it is the fountain but yeah you have to want to sit down and like kind of get into some shit, and yeah, that's what this ready. movie. Yeah, But at the same time, it, that isn't to say that it isn't a fun movie. It's it's <laughs> nice to have an intellectual movie to watch. Like, I sat down and watched it and had a great time, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. Yeah, it was awesome. So I actually very much appreciated the second time, because I kind of knew what I was, I was getting into, and I was kind of watching for things in the background, trying, you know, figure out. One of them that we talked about earlier was the fact that he was doing Tai Chi yes. in the middle of nowhere. It didn't make any sense. Sure. It was it was one of those things where it's like, it kind of proves Chekhov's point, right? Chekhov's gun Chekhov's being, gun, yeah. uh, if you have a gun in the first act, it needs to be fired by the third act. The, that motherfucker does Tai Chi in the first act and never, ever does Tai Chi again.
1: He never fights anybody <laughs> with the martial art that 90-year-old grandmas do in the park. He
0: doesn't even just, <laughs> but they don't even like do it again. And I, I imagine that the idea is that they're trying to set up the fact that he is a monk, right? He's a meditative... Yeah. Person, I, I get that. They could have done that another way.
1: I mean, I, I really felt the Tai Chi, you know, I think there's kind of a loose connection to Buddhism, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of and things like that. I think that this is a very visually pleasing movie, and I very really do that. feel that the Tai Chi was there just for the visuals, which I don't hate. No. You know, and it's like Donovan, right? It's yeah. one of those things where if you really wanted to read into it, you could probably find some sort of connection. But I think that for the most part, like, you know, not everything in movies has to mean something. Yeah, And exactly. I think the Tai Chi was probably just more for this.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, it just, upon seeing it the second time, I remember having seen it the first time I saw it, and then being like, this doesn't have anything to do with the pod. An
1: excellent, excellent way to lose the forest for the trees, and I'm glad that that's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to have to deal with in coming years. Yeah, out, so. Exactly. Fantastic.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> I also watched this a second time with the subtitles on and one of the subtitles that I saw was Men Speaking in Mayan.
1: Right back to Loser the Force for the Chase. Here <laughs> yeah, we go. All yeah, right. Exactly. Okay.
0: But uh, that actually goes to the fact that the Mayan Empire was a South American empire.
1: I believe... was it? I think the Incans were South American and I believe the Mayans and the Aztecs were Central American. That might have been me just proving that <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dumb idiot. But I'm not... I'm not sure and unfortunately we don't leave in 2016 Where we have all the world's information at our fingertips And it's not like this is a podcast that we can pause and look up at any time So we're going to go with it I'm not
0: doing that right (laughs) now Uh, I'm not doing that even remotely Yeah. One of the things that I did notice And I actually talked with uh, Aaron about Was the fact that the movie Begins at the start of winter Okay. And then ends In the heart of winter. Okay,
1: fair enough. Which is,
0: you know, that is obvious that the setting is supposed to be the dying of the year,
1: right? I mean, do you mean, do you mean the the actual movie or the, or the, or the timelines that you described? It does start in Tomas, right? It does start. So,
0: sorry. What I mean to say is the actual timeline that actually matters, which is Tommy and Izzy. But you're right. The movie starts with Tomas. Yeah. And that is in the middle of Guatemala, which it's near the equator, so it could be wintered there too, but you never would know. Yeah. Sorry. So I should say that the story of Tommy and Izzy starts at the beginning of winter I see what you're saying. and it ends sure. in the
1: heart of winter. Okay, understand. Which is
0: representative of Izzy's life. Fair enough. Her life was coming to an end and that is the end of the year, right? Sure. And that's a very it wasn't ham fisted of a metaphor, but it was also one of those like it's if you've ever read anything, it's kind of an obvious metaphor, I thought. Sure. Like. But I liked it a lot. I, yeah. I like that. The attention to detail and the if you're going to go for a movie that's heavy in metaphor, put everything. Everything's a metaphor. Yes. And I love it. I yep. absolutely love it. every. the I would describe the setting of the movie as orange and black. Okay. Everything except for the conquistadors is orange and black. I don't remember a whole lot of orange. I know a
1: lot of black. I don't, it's oh, well, well it's amber. Orange. Amber. And, oh, everything yeah, is like yeah, sorry, yeah, yes, amber yes, and, and black. Yeah. No, even even my tattoo yeah, yeah, has yeah. Uh, a significant amount of amber. Except right, on yeah. that. Yeah. So
0: everything is amber like the the when Donovan is getting cut open, Donovan being the baboon, his office, their surgical ward, their house, everything is amber and black. It's yeah. All set in a
1: form of dying light. Yes. Yeah, and that's yeah. obviously goes back to, you know, the amazing visuals. And even people that don't really like the movie, that think it's too, you know, to take your words ham-fisted or, you know, things like that. I mean, generally speaking, this movie is visually amazing and then people kind of turn. Mm-hmm. So I I yeah, fair enough.
0: One of the things I noticed actually the second time that I didn't notice the first time is that Queen Isabel's dress yes, is a treat. Yes. I love that. Yes. every like so this is how dense this movie is is that everything that you can look at is a metaphor for something that's happening in the movie yes and Queen Isabel's dress is a tree she's a tree yes turns I mean, out I, she's an ant
1: uh, yeah well ter- I mean you know like I said I've, you know, I've seen this movie a lot and, and every time I watch it I basically kind of discover just something new just because you know every time you see it you know it's one of those things where there's just so much happening as you're pointing out that see something new mm-hmm.
0: I love that. that and that was something that I I, that I came up with and I think that if I watch it again something else will pop out to me absolutely I didn't I wrote down uh, room 620 important and then I never went and looked up to see if the the number six twenty was actually important to anything, I well, wonder that if was, was
1: her hospital room. Right? Yes,
0: yeah. Uh, but the, there was a point where they kind of like he was standing near the sign, and they kind of focus on the sign number mm-hmm. rather than him. Like the, I noticed that the cinematography did this like slight blurring effect on him and yes. focus on the number. And I wrote it down, and then I never went back and looked at
1: this. Up. Is just like our mystery room where yeah, you, like yeah. you wrote
0: down the color important. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It was like seven one seven zero Y. Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> and this is one of those things where actually, I mean, I don't think that I focused on that, and that's very interesting. And I'd be curious this is one of those things where you go like look up genesis 6 I wonder if it's whatever. a bible verse is yeah. what I'm and I wonder no, if it's actually enough. the
0: bible verse from the beginning
1: yeah it probably is. um
0: go ahead and tell me about your your impression the multiple times that you've seen I mean you've already talked about your impression from the first time that sure. you saw it I'm curious if maybe you can talk about it from your impression from multiple times yeah you. absolutely
1: yeah so this will be one of those things this is probably actually a very good point for that because this movie we broke our rules number one we're gonna fix it later you know I've seen this movie a lot um every time I watch i kind of cry a little ladies um, i like to watch it with girls that i'm dating ladies to show them how deep i am yeah and my second impression look at how interesting i am look at how interesting and sensitive this guy is and this will kind of be basically my understanding of the movie and the the key to this by the way is I'm, i'm really glad that you interpreted the way that you did because there's basically two ways of interpreting this movie generally accepted i mean obviously you can kind of take it however you want there's there's some other theories but the two main theories for this movie and it goes back to that question is what is the setting so so one theory is basically what you described which is the setting is Tommy the neurosurgeon and everything else is analogous Now, which we, is a correct which is no, yeah, no. I guess, <laughs> yeah I'm going to prove you wrong just you wait whoa no there's no right. right and wrong but there's kind of a right and wrong okay um, so the second one which is yeah he's a slow jerking yeah people on the internet my dick's been out this entire time and mine too if they don't see us yeah so the other way is my interpretation of the movie after many viewings and it took me a while to get to this and it took me even a while to kind of add evidence to this so so if somebody were to ask me kind of what is the present of this movie, the present of this movie to me, and this is kind of the other competing theory, is that Tom, the astronaut, is the present. Huh. So Tom, the astronaut in the snow globe, as you call it, yeah, which, yeah. by the way, if you were to actually make a spaceship for long range space travel, that's exactly how you would have to make it because it needs to be a closed ecosystem. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and absolutely so, agree. Yeah. And so Tom, the astronaut is the present. Tommy, the doctor, the neurosurgeon is Tom's past. So Tommy, the doctor, mm-hmm. Discovers through his research of the old growth Guatemalan tree, the secret to eternal life. And he is the same person that turns into Tom the astronaut. Huh. And, and so what we're actually seeing is Tom the astronaut and the flashbacks to Tommy are, you know, basically flashbacks of the past. And then Tom, Tomas the conquistador is the story. And the key is, so, so Izzy is writing the story. And so she is, you know, Isabel and, and Tommy, her husband is Tomas the conquistador. Right. That that is analogous. Now I believe, and this goes back to where you watched it, I believe that her story kind of ends when Tomas encounters the high priest, and you think that he's gonna die, right? And that's where she says finish it, which is another track on the soundtrack. And I did not know that was the name of a track on the soundtrack. Yes. And so she basically tells him to finish it. So Dun 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 dun
0: dun That was a Mortal Kombat. Finish it!
1: I should know that because I'm kind of that same age. Hold on, I need more drink for my story.
0: Yeah, by the way, this entire time we've been drinking Scotch. As you can tell as our, our cognitive thoughts break down. Yeah, yeah. So
1: so she tells Tommy to finish it. And this is the part where he loses his wedding room. And so he basically so he loses it. He's looking for it. He can't find his wedding room. So yeah. she dies he goes back to his room and he, he knocks over the ink well I suppose it would be. And, and he has the quill. And and you kind of see him start writing, right? And so in my interpretation that is where he picks up the story to finish it. So basically everything up from Tomas getting to the high priest is what Izzy wrote. Right. And everything after the high priest. When the high priest presents himself, his throat to be cut, you know, that is Tom, the astronaut, finishing the story because he couldn't finish it when he was Tommy.
0: Oh, interesting. Yes. See, I took it as... I took it the same way as you did, yeah. but that Tommy did finish it after that fact.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's and that's the other competing theory. Now, the thing that I have to add in the movie that I feel actually kind of adds to my theory, which is why it's right, and if anybody disagrees, they're wrong. I'm just kidding. You can interpret however you want. Unless it's different. But Tom, the astronaut... This is a podcast. This, this is in Tumblr. Oh. I don't know what that is. Okay, I'm Oh. Um, okay, so <laughs> so so when Tommy the doctor loses his wedding ring, he goes back, he knocks over it, and he grabs the the fountain pen, mm-hmm. cute, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. he knocks over the the thing, and he tattoos the wedding ring on his finger. Yes. Now Tom the astronaut has that same tattoo, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you noticed or not in your second viewing, but Tom it's the astronaut well also well faded. Well, he it's what it's faded, and he also has all of his rings up his arm, and what he's using to tattoo himself is a broken fountain pen.
0: Yes, I did notice. Set. Yeah, and actually i'll i'll lend cl- uh credence to this theory that you're positing that the tom creo is the present because i remember him having all these tattoos up and down his arm yes much like the ring of a tree would have yes and i just thought it was kind of a an interesting visual thing that they were doing to, the, to describe time yeah but where would he get the time from unless he was an immortal being yeah i kind of i dig it all right yeah. okay well, and, and, i can i can dig it sucker. can
1: you dig, dig it? it sucka and then the other thing is you know as you pointed out you know so Izzy nice so uh so Izzy you know she dies and she uh you know he he plants a tree over her grave Mm -hmm. and to me that tree is what he turns into his spaceship and so to me Tom the astronaut that is actually Izzy in that that tree is you know I guess the same whatever tree from the old growth tree from Guatemala basically so boiling it all down Tommy the neurosurgeon finds the, the fountain of you. in in this medical advancement mm-hmm. too late to save Izzy. Yeah. And basically, he plants that tree over Izzy's grave and then, be, you know, over, I guess it would probably be, what, hundreds of thousands of years based yeah. on how far away Zybalba is. You know, he basically was traveling through the universe going to jabalba basically bringing Izzy to Zybalba. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it's and, like, and
0: it's not even hundreds of thousands of years that, like, Orion is many thousands of light years away,
1: right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh,
0: well, the first star, because the funny thing about constellations, if you don't realize, is that they're not a two-dimensional well, object. Yeah, yeah, so true. the, uh, that star could be hundreds of millions of light years away. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. So, so but a, he a could be an immortal, he could be an immortal being at this well, point. And, and that, and yeah, and that's my interpretation of it is basically, you know, Izzy, Izzy's tree is dying because he's flying through Tujababa. And then basically he picks up the story and he actually finishes it, you know, and, and at that point, you know, and, and it's kind of analogous to me because, you know, he, he gets past the high priest he goes to the tree the tree he drinks the sap he basically gives up sacrifices his life tomas the conquistador sacrifices his life to be reborn at the same time that tom the astronaut sacrifices his life to be reborn and that's basically the cycle of the movie to me yeah and that's how you know that's how i kind of interpret what well, you know what that's a very interesting interpretation yeah too bad it's
0: bullshit well <laughs> no. you know hey no. I didn't uh, say
1: I was smart. No, no, I said that's how I watched it. I didn't it. say,
0: I'm not saying I'm smart, I'm just yeah. saying I'm right. Yeah. No, it was, uh, that's actually a very interesting point and one that I didn't pick up on. Yeah. Because I, I kind of took the astronaut, the snow globe man, as kind of a throwaway. I just thought that he was like an interesting thing that the director was throwing in. I never once contemplated the idea that he could have been the primary setting. And I wish that I had, because you make a cogent point, and there's enough evidence to support that, and I I commend you, sir.
1: Well, and that and that's the thing where, you know, if we could have gone back in time ten years, I would have loved, because I think, actually, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, my first impression, I think I probably saw thought the same way, you know, which was like, okay, like this is kind of cool. And then it was only on future viewings that I kind of figured out, like, wait, this might not be what I think it is. Mm-hmm. And and I guess to me, you know, after many, many viewings, the theory connecting the Conquistador to the astronaut was just too far to me because there's no way for me that I can view it to connect the Conquistador, drinking the sap, becoming a tree, to the astronaut. Now, if you completely throw away Tom the astronaut, then so be it. But You're some right. people try to connect those two, and I just, I never really followed it.
0: No, I, I always, there doesn't seem to be anything to the Conquistador other than being Izzy's story.
1: I, I definitely think that yeah I think that, I
0: don't think that he was like the past life of Tommy no, and for I don't sure. think that Queen No, Isabel I think He was Izzy. always the story. I yeah, mean, yeah.
1: You even tell you know because you'll see the reading on the page and it's you know the Conquistador is definitely in the story.
0: Right. He's yeah. not a real person. However I could see that Tom Creo and Tommy might be the same person. Yeah. Because of the wedding band tattoo which seemed like the most metal way to give yourself a tattoo was stab yourself with a fountain pen. I have a fountain pen in front of me, and I can't imagine stabbing myself with this to give myself a tattoo. We're
1: going to do that real time. Wow,
0: really? Yeah. I was like, we both have tattoos, and I can't imagine... I could imagine being enough grief to stab myself with this. Yeah. This isn't even a fine point fountain pen, is Yeah, that would hurt. Yeah. You just don't
1: stab me with that. No.
0: There are fine... This is a medium point fountain pen. There are fine point fountain pens, and yeah. I could maybe see it with that. But yeah. this is... I, his, his was clearly a medium point, because you can see the little ball at yeah, the, the, the ball. end. Yeah, the ball, yeah. And you can see the ball on mine. Yes. And... It, yeah, there's nothing pleasant about what he does. No, yeah. So I could see being in enough grief to be like, I'm punishing myself. Well, especially losing your you wedding, know, wedding ring, ring right? which yeah. is so weird because he's like, I set it here and now it's gone. Yeah. Like, um It was Donovan. Yeah, fucking Donovan, <laughs> fucking, fucking Kane, that shithead baboon. Cool. All right, so that's uh, that's second. That's the second viewing. Yeah. No, I I really loved this movie. I I thought this was a really Cool movie, like visually awesome. If anyone says that you know it's a try hard movie, they're they're right. I mean, they're, it's clear that it's a movie that someone is trying hard, and they should be commended.
1: I, I I think that it goes back to one of my you know things that we've kind of talked about offline, which is intellectual laziness, right? Yeah. Which is you know sometimes things do try too hard to be profound, but I don't yeah. think The Fountain is one of them. And I think that if anybody kind of criticizes it, I think I think that they may not have wanted to think. Yeah. You know, if you go see Transformers, you you want to be you want to be entertained. You want to be entertained. And yep. this is not one of those movies. Yeah. Well, it's an entertaining in a different way. But
0: yeah, you. Need, this is a movie that you go into wanting to be challenged. Yes. Whereas like Transformers or any of its ilk are the kind that you want to go into shut your brain off. It's
1: popcorn flicks, which yeah. have their place.
0: Oh my God. So speaking of this, this is a tangent. I lived in Korea for about a year. Actually, not about a year. A uh, year exactly. And during that time, I went to see Transformers 3. And I'm so sorry. Yeah. That was a terrible, shitty movie. Yeah. But it was so amazing for me to watch it in a country outside of America because there is literally a point where Optimus Prime, an alien robot, stands up and there's a giant American flag flapping behind him. God bless. Him. <laughs> I, know, I was just like. It was never so stark a iconography as when I was living outside of America. Yeah. It was amazing.
1: Absolutely, I was
0: just like, "Holy shit!" This
1: alien robot loves America so much. I mean, who doesn't? Which segues us into our next second viewing: Transformers Chris Three, Lee,
0: <laughs> which I don't actually know the tagline or the. the... I think is that
1: Dark Side of the Moon. No, You're it's gonna not Dark it. Side. It's not Dark Side of the Moon because I was never a Transformers movie. You dumb idiot! Um, I was He's looking it up right. Uh, I'm gonna narrate what's happening. He's typing yeah. on his, on his not iPad. Yeah, it is a,
0: uh, Samsung Tab Pro. Yeah, of course. It was, <laughs> you were actually really I close. know it was, choke on it. It was Dark of the
1: Moon. That's it, nailed it. <laughs> hit, it with the old, hit it with the old Pink Floyd album. <laughs> So it might have actually been uh, the... Ah, a- it's not gonna be the first or last time that happens. I don't remember that that was actually the
0: movie that I saw. Uh, but it, it, that is the right time frame. What was what time was Transformers 2? Maybe that was the
1: one I saw. Uh, I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, I'm not cutting this. No, I, I yeah. What was, what was the tagline of Transformers 2? Wait, what was the Revenge of the Fall? And that was that four. Was,
0: nope, that was two. Was it? Yeah, it wasn't that one, though. Because I lived in Korea from 2010 to 2011. I hate
1: Michael Bay so much because God. those movies are so bad, and I know them. I know their taglines enough. It's so, yeah. The fact
0: that I haven't seen anything except for Transformers and Transformers 3, and I've not seen any of the others, yeah. but I do know their tagline. Yeah. It's not the tagline. The tagline is like the They Came from Outer Space
1: to oh, save our yeah, butts. Well, it's it's sub, the subtitle. The subtitle, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, anyway, so what, what, what is our next movie because I think I can probably do this one properly as in the next
0: yeah yeah so there's actually been some discussion about what our next one should be oh we originally thought that it was going to be Contact but I've seen that and I'm reading it so you're reading it yeah and I've already seen it as well yeah no Um, words should have sent a poet hmm, is that from yeah oh (laughs) I I haven't seen that in a long time so I'll definitely watch it twice oh
1: we, we, we can't break our rules the second time
0: okay so I think that the next movie that we should watch because of a stupid incident on my part is the movie Gravity.
1: The movie Gravity.
0: So we're going to watch Gravity next, and the reason why we're going to watch that is because we've both neither seen it. Despite the fact that it's a fairly popular movie, I think that it's going to be decently in our wheelhouse of the movies that we like. Absolutely. And so what happened was that, so Matthew and myself like to go to trivia, and there was a Matt Damon round.
1: Classic Matt Damon. Classic
0: Matt Damon. And he was in the movie Interstellar. Interstellar. Interstellar.
1: Which I've also not seen, but I know enough about it.
0: But I've seen it once. Okay. And... We might have to watch it. Yeah, well, pick up I the list. I super love that movie. Okay, but for some reason in my head I got Gravity and Interstellar confused. And during that round, it was a bonus point for two points. Yes, I said the movie Gravity, which does not at all have Matthew Damon in it. It I, has George Clooney and Sandra I was Bullock. Say,
1: yeah, I like. It's easy to confuse Gravity with other movies because Gravity has like literally two actors, <laughs> and one of them is just a voice. Yeah. Uh, and then the other movie has like everybody famous ever, so it's an easy mistake. To me, uh, it cost us two points. Two points. Yeah. Two points that actually would not have mattered at all. It doesn't, they don't know that. Yeah. However, they don't know that. yeah, they do need <laughs>
0: <laughs> So, because of that, we're gonna see gravity next Gravity. Alright? So, thank you for listening to our first episode of the Second Screening Podcast. Matthew, how do you feel?
1: I had a great time, and as I mentioned to you, if these just go into the bowels of the internet, never to be heard again, I still think that it was fantastic, and uh, I look forward to more of these.
0: Me too. For the, the ones of you who might be listening to this on random thanks for listening and we'll be back next month with gravity gravity